We've been looking at Psalm 123. And from the viewpoint, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. But from that statement, the Lord is my shepherd, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close to me. David speaking about God and to God. I will not be afraid because I'm going through. And in all this upheaval, there's a lot of people going, oh, I'm going through it. Now, but we want to change that to the declaration, I am going through it. And irrespective of whether it's related to the COVID thing or something else, we go through things in life. And you can either have the attitude of, oh, I'm going through it, or I'm going through it. I loved Pastor Linda's message last week. I did watch it live and it was a great experience where she spoke about smiling at the shadows, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and just of standing back, smiling at the shadows, confident that God has got you. But this morning, I want to speak to the will of God because David says in Psalm 23, verse two to three, he leads me. You might want to just post that. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me. He leads me. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And so simply entitled this message, he leads, I follow. Very simple. He leads, I follow. Jesus picking up perhaps on this concept out of the 23rd Psalm says this, and I'm reading from John chapter 10, verses 14 and 27. Jesus speaking, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. They know me. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He speaks, he leads, I follow. It's foolish to stumble through life, missing God's will and ending up in some kind of detour or even a dead end. And the very reason God placed you on the planet is lost. You might feel like you're on a detour right now. You might feel like you're in a dead end situation. Well, I'm telling you now, God will not judge you harshly. If you just say to him, God, I want to know you will. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will get you out of there and back into right paths. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, the apostle Paul speaks clearly to us. He says, so be careful how you live. He doesn't say be paranoid. And when we begin to talk about the will of God, some people get an anxiety. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. He's willing to communicate, to give you grace, to allow you to make mistakes and then to redirect you. So don't put the guilt on, get inspired. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Another translation says, understand what the will of God is. But I love that. Understand what God wants you to do. 
So why do God's will? Because I think it's a big question. There's a lot of independent spirited people in our world. I'm going to do my own thing, almost defiant about everything. So why do God's will? Well, there's a few good reasons. Number one, Paul says, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when you get there, you will not be singing that song, I did it my way. You'll be regretting if you haven't done it God's way, that you did it your way. We want to please Jesus because we need to explain to him what we've done with this incredible gift of life that he's given it. And he's not going to judge us about perfection, but about an attitude that says, God, I want to do your will. I want to understand it. I want to take every opportunity you give me. Secondly, according to Jesus, the will of God will energize you. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. If you are continually exhausted and feeling like your life is fruitless, perhaps, perhaps one of the reasons is you haven't fully hooked into God's will and you're doing things out of your own strength. Now, we all get weary. We all get tired. I've just enjoyed a six-day break and it was so refreshing. But he says, my food, what sustains me, what energizes me is to do the will of my Father who sent me. And the third thing is that it's evidence of a kingdom lifestyle. These are hard words, but they're the words of Jesus. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, Jesus is saying it's not about lip service. It's about a hard attitude and a willingness to say, God, show me what you want and I will do my best to live in your will, in your purpose for my life. And sometimes we feel like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, I've got good news for you. God promises to equip you to do his will. I love this passage out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 20 to 21. Just listen to these words. Read them on the screen. May the God of peace, that great shepherd of the sheep, notice this thing, as a shepherd, he leads, he guides. It's this ongoing theme. He leads, he guides, the good shepherd. May the God of peace, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. Listen to that. Equip you for, with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Equip you with everything good so you can do his will. That's the heart of God. Not to leave you struggling and floundering. He says, I'm going to equip you with everything good so you can do my will and then you will be well pleasing to me. That phrase, equip you with everything good, was used in many ways in the society of the day. And the Greek word could be used by a doctor to describe how a broken bone was set and then healed and mended. And perhaps you've had something devastating hit your life and you feel crippled. You feel like something's broken. Well, he's going to equip you. He's going to heal you so you can walk straight again. 
It could be used by a fisherman to talk about mending a broken net. He's equipping the net to do what it was purposed to do. And you might feel you're in a situation working hard and yet everything that you, the net of your life seeks together is just being lost because there's a hole, there's something missing. Well, He's going to equip you to do His will so that you can gather the blessing of God and not only be have blessing, but be a blessing to others because that's at the heart of the kingdom, not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. It was used by sailors when a ship was going to be fitted out for a voyage. And I love that as we go on this voyage through life, that you are equipped to deal with everything, including the storms of life. Just because you follow Jesus, you are not exempt from the storms of life, but He wants to get you through it. Remember the whole thought of the way we're looking at this 23rd Psalm is I'm going through it. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. A soldier would use it to describe how he was equipped for battle. He had the right weapons. He had the right strategy. And again, we don't fight people, but there are things in life we have to fight. We have to deal with. And God says, I want to equip you with the right weapons, spiritual weapons, and help you to be effective so you can deal with the battles of life. So he equips you to do his will. But now it's something we've got to bring. We've got to seek his will. Jesus said, God manifest in the flesh. Jesus, fully God, fully man. Jesus choosing to make himself fully dependent on the Father so he could set an example for us. Says, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, I seek. I seek. Maybe you want to put that in the check. I seek God's will. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, the words of Jesus. And seek there, if you haven't already picked it up, is the key word. It's easy to become preoccupied with all the things that are going around us in our world and then begin to slowly lose that desire, that hunger, that longing to know God and to do his will. Because what's important fades into the background. And John, the beloved apostle, spoke to that in his epistle in 1 John 2 and verse 7. He said, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. When you hook into the will of God for your life with a hard attitude, doing the best you can, you are doing something that is investing into your eternity. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So how do we hook into that? Number one, we've got to pray. It's a great prayer that you can borrow. You can put your name into it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 to 10 where Paul is praying over the Colossian church we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will how about that as a prayer God fill me with the knowledge of your will and then he says through all wisdom because you need wisdom it's not just knowing what to do but how to do it we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives 
Oh, I love the companionship of the Holy Spirit, leading, guiding, prompting, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. I'm going to challenge you, as I feel challenged, to pray a dangerous prayer. We're probably going to do a series on this as we go through the rest of this year, dangerous prayers. But here's one for you. And it was a prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. As in his humanity, he's recalling against the horror of what he's going to have to carry, our brokenness, our sinfulness to the cross. But he prays a dangerous prayer. And it's a prayer prayed out of trust in his heavenly Father. My Father, my Father. The words there are Abba, Abba, Daddy. My Father, I want your will to be done, not mine. You're facing decisions. You're facing challenges. How about praying that dangerous prayer where you're literally saying, God, I hand these things to you. Daddy, I trust you. Not my will or willfulness, but your will be done. So we need to pray. The second thing we need to be in God's word. God's will is primarily revealed to us through the written word of God. Psalm 119 is in our entire prayer, the longest psalm in the Bible. And it's dedicated to the impact of God's word in our life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet. The more we are invested in God's word, the more light we have for where we walk through this life. Psalm 32 and verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I love this little phrase. I will guide you with my eye. There's something about people who know and love each other, married couples, and they can just have little gestures. It may not just be the way they look at each other, but it's, hey, time to go. A little gesture. They can guide. They can read each other most of the time with just facial expression. And that's kind of what's been said here. But it's based on the fact that God says, I will instruct you and I'll teach you out of my word. And then all I'll need is a little glance, a little prompt, and you'll know what to do because you are invested. You are grounded in the word of God. The third thing is you need to renew your mind. The will of God becomes more apparent to those whose minds are continually being renewed by the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed, pressed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, it's in the renewing of your mind, understanding what God says, what God thinks about things in our world, in your life, that you are able to identify God's will, approve it. So in other words, I've got it. And then you begin to walk in what is good, what is pleasing and what is perfect. The word perfect also means complete. It's not about perfectionism, but a sense of wholeness coming to your life. So as I begin to conclude this, I have five things and I'm going to go through them quickly. Five things that will help you discern God's will, get guidance in your life. Number one, and I've referred to it a lot, 
commanding scripture, allowing God's word to have authority in your life. Psalm 119 verse 24, your commands are my counselors. Your word is my light and my delight. Okay, your commands, God, your word counsels me. As I'm struggling to make decisions, I go to your word and it counsels me. And then your word gives me light to walk in and it's a joy. Needing no commentary, I'll do my best. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, an inspired book. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, give you the strength to take the right direction. I love that. Give you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you'll be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Commanding scripture, the compelling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, there's something about when you hunger for God and worship is a great expression of that you begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, moved by the impulses, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, anchored in the Word of God. It's a command in Scripture, the compelling of the Holy Spirit, just some good old thirdly common sense. Paul encourages us to use our minds. If you haven't used it yet, dust it off. Start thinking. Paul says, 2 Timothy 2.7, Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. The fourth thing is the counsel of saints. So we've got commanding scripture, the compelling of the Holy Spirit, common sense, but the counsel of the saints. And I'm not talking about saints in the, the old sense of it, but we are called, believers are called saints. Those who have been sanctified by Jesus Christ. Proverbs 15:22 says, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel, not just any counsel, godly counsel, people with some experience walking with God. Take good counsel and watch your plan succeed. And the final thing is circumstantial signs. What people, the early church fathers called providence, the way that God opens and shuts doors, the way that God sovereignly overrules something and redirects something. And Paul celebrates that concept in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This incredible ability of God to take the fragments and the chaotic things in our lives and begin to weave a pattern and a purpose and a direction. And all we have to do is love him and say, God, I'm called according to your purpose. I want to know and do your will. See, God equips us to do his will and it makes us fruitful effectively. But most importantly, it'll make you more like Jesus. Paul says, Philippians 2 verse 5, 
in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I seek not my will, but the will of him who sent me. Let's become like Jesus. Jesus. 